Welcome to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. Marietta First is a community of disciples dedicated to living and serving faithfully our local community of Marietta, Georgia, and around the world. We are glad you're here. It is our prayer that this podcast offers you hope and grace on your own journey of faith. Please remain standing for those who are able as I read our scripture lesson this morning. I will be reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, beginning with the 36th verse. Hear these words. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Word of God for the people of God. And you may be seated. I want to offer a special thanks to our altar guild uh, for the beautiful decorations in our church. We are grateful for their hard work. They were here before Thanksgiving, um, and they have done a beautiful, beautiful job. So if you see any of our, if you're a part of the altar guild, why don't you raise your hand? Wonderful. We want to say thank you to each of you. And then, Chris, I want to thank you for your words this morning about our mission in Peru. We do great work there, and it's good to hear firsthand um, what is going on and and how it's impacting others, and I'm glad for your Spanish. (laughs) Well, I'm still a little sore. I did the gobble jog. So there's a little story about that. I wasn't going to run it, but at the last minute, my son decided to join me. This is just an aside. My son decided to join me, and he said he was going to do the timed 5K. So I thought, well, and I saw, I saw Billy there. And um, so he decides he's going, he goes up front, he's getting ready, and then at the last minute, I said, I'm going to run it too. And so I ran the 5K. I took a break at our house. Um, <laughs> Um, I walked some, don't get me wrong, I didn't run the whole time, Um, but I'm still sore. So, um, were there folks out here who who ran the gobble jog? Did you run the gobble jog? Yes, we've got folks. Wonderful, wonderful. That's a great event, and we're very grateful for that, because I know that the money that was raised goes towards must ministry. So, uh, the jury is still out on whether or not I will do it next year. (laughs) 
But today, today is the first Sunday of the Christian New Year. It's the first Sunday of Advent. We don't often think of Advent as the beginning of a Christian New Year, but it is. And we don't often think in terms of what we would normally think of a New Year's and the traditions that we would normally do, say, during New Year's holidays. For example, we are filled with Thanksgiving turkey and ham or other foods that we may have had. We've probably started shopping, and we've just started getting into the season. So the last thing that any one of us is thinking about is possibly considering a New Year's resolution, because that's what we do on New Year's. But what if we did think about a New Year's resolution a Christian resolution during this season of Advent. What if we were to consider not about our weight or what we should eat or what we should not eat or getting organized or going to the gym or all the stuff that we would typically do at the beginning of a new calendar year, but what if our New Year's resolution had something to do with following Jesus? What changes would we make in our life? What attitudes would we adopt? How would we change what we are doing to follow Jesus for this next Christian year. The gospel lesson for this Sunday is a very peculiar one for the first Sunday of Advent, and it's an interesting way to kick off this new Christian year, to stay awake. Are you awake? I know that it's warm out there, and I know we weren't expecting this humidity, and that can kind of lull us, but this is a perfect day for us to stay awake to hear the message of the gospel. To be ready for the coming of the Son of Man. It's peculiar, I think, to hear this text this morning. Because most of us, we're not thinking in these terms. We're not thinking about the coming of the Son of Man. We're preparing for the baby Jesus. We're making Christmas lists. Many of us probably shopped on Black Friday. We're planning our parties. We're getting ready. And we're not thinking about the Son of Man. The reference does not seem to have anything to do with baby Jesus at all. Instead, it comes even much later than the birth narrative, much later in Matthew's gospel. It's while Jesus is on the Mount of Olives and he starts to talk about the end times with his disciples. And then if you notice, if you were to take a look at the scripture passage, just a few paragraphs later, Jesus talks at the same time at the, on the Mount of Olives about the judgment of the nations. And that, you remember, is the separating of the goats and the sheep. And Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me something to drink. I was, I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When, Lord, when did we see you? And Jesus' response is, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Now, I don't know if any of this has anything at all to do with a New Year's resolution, but it certainly catches our attention especially when we hear about the coming of the Son of Man. Because it's one of the many names of Jesus, and we're going to be exploring some of the names of Jesus over these next couple of weeks. And we know that in our own life, um, names are important. Names are important. Names have meaning, and they have significance. They have influence. In some cases, a name has an influence. Others, though, a name can make or break you. Think of a few names throughout history. Benedict Arnold, what comes to mind when you hear that name? Adolf Hitler, what comes to mind? What about Rosa Parks? What about Abraham Lincoln? What about Betsy Ross? What comes to mind? John Wesley or Judas Iscariot? 
When we hear these names, we can't help but think of the lives that they've lived and how we remember them. I recently read an article in Christianity Today about the preservation of the evangelist, the name for Billy Graham. For those of you who may not know, and I know that our John Strother folks have gone to the library when they've gone on their retreat each year, but it is coincides with the Billy Graham Archive Center that's opened in Charlotte, North Carolina recently. And it's a research facility located just across the street from the Billy Graham Library. And according to the article, Billy Graham, the center, houses the full documentary record of Billy Graham's life and his work. And the center wants to make this available to anybody who wants to do research or studies on the breadth and the depth of Billy Graham's work. And part of the center's task is to cultivate his name and his legacy and how his name will be remembered. One group, one group in the article it said, said that they need to limit the access of all the information because there are those who are too critical because they don't want the Graham name to be misused or misrepresented. But another group says anyone who wants to should have full access to the information. And according to the article, that there's a struggle in the, in the U.S. and over the meaning of Graham's ministry. Through, though he was often referred to as America's pastor, some think that he should not have gotten so involved in politics and aligned himself with political candidates. Others say he was not a marble statue, and though he made mistakes and did what some think are reprehensible things, that he learned from them and that he was actually humble enough to apologize. But the general consensus is that Billy Graham would not have approved of his library and he would not have approved of the archive center unless it could be used to further the gospel. The good, the bad, the ugly, just so long as it drew people in and directed them toward the word of God. As long as it would encourage people to reflect on the living, breathing word of God. And isn't that what we all want for our own lives? We're not perfect people. Some of us may not have as public of a life as say Billy Graham did, but we don't want to be defined by our mistakes. We want to be defined by the totality of our life. And we want our lives to be directed towards Jesus so that when people see us and they hear our story, that they would want to be directed toward the life of Christ. And that's actually what Jesus is doing in this scripture this morning here in Matthew's gospel. He's talking with his disciples and he's discussing what is happening at the end of time. He's talking about the end times. And he points them to the scriptures. He points them specifically to, the, to, the, to Daniel and the prophetic imagery and the prophecy that Daniel makes about the coming of the Messiah. The Son of Man will come on the clouds of heaven and be given dominion and glory and kingship, even an everlasting kingdom. And Jesus is talking about this kingdom. And the disciples, they would have heard this and they would have known that this is what Jesus is referring to. He's referring back to the scriptures. He's referring to himself as the coming of the Son of Man. That he is fulfilling scripture 
and that he is part of that everlasting kingdom. Now, I would imagine that hearing this about the long-awaited Messiah, it must have frightened the disciples. It must have frightened them. Talking about end times, we don't want to talk about end times. But Jesus is warning them, and he is warning us today. Stay awake. Are you awake? Are you awake? Okay. Don't let down your guard. Be prepared. Do not be complacent. The Son of Man is coming like a thief in the night, and no one knows when that day will be, not even the Son himself. It's called in Matthew's Gospel, the Little Apocalypse, and it's all about how we spend our time waiting for Jesus to come again. And this, I think, is where a good name comes in, because I think names matter. I think they're important. Because while we wait for Jesus, whether we agree with it or believe it or not, we're making a name for ourselves in some way by the way we live our life. Some of us are doing it intentionally. Some of us are doing it unintentionally. And some of us are trying to preserve, trying to preserve our names. Either way we look at it, we are making choices on how and if we will follow Jesus. I learned the importance of of a name, my name in particular, when I arrived in Georgia. I've shared this story before, and I just couldn't resist it because we're talking about names. And when Ted and I moved here, um, we had to set up our utility bills, and that's what you often have to do. And so I didn't think it was any big deal. Put our names in. I set up the electric bill. I get the electric bill that first month after we moved here. And I thought maybe they had, they had uh, set up the wrong name or sent it to the wrong address. There, was there a misspelling to my name? I couldn't figure it out because the name on the bill confused me. It said July, J-U-L-Y, like the month, and then bone, B-O-N-E, like a dog bone, July bone. And I thought to myself, what in the world and who is July bone? But then I thought, it kind of sounds like my name. If I say it fast, July Bone, July Bone, that's the southern name for Julie Boone. <laughs> but from then on, I knew that I needed to spell my name because I know that names are important. Wise King Solomon said, a good name is more desirable than great riches. A name you surely know, I'm sure, is Vince Dooley. He passed away recently, and I was um, reading an article in the AJC recently, and the title ca caught me my attention, and it said, Dooley, much more than just a coach, the beloved UGA coach. It was written by somebody who had encountered Dooley in an arena outside of football. It was through a nonprofit, and the nonprofit was called Athletes for a Better World. And it focused on developing character, teamwork, and service in athletes. And Dooley's name was given as someone that could help promote these attributes because he encouraged them in his players, and he also lived them out in his own life. He was not just a great coach. He was someone who lived out his faith, and the article talked about that. The article said that Dooley was always willing to serve countless nonprofit organizations efforts and causes 
that reflected the depth of his concern and love for others and specifically for our communities. And not surprising, they named an award after him for scholarships, the Dooley Awards, that would be given and awarded to high school students who made the greatest difference in people's lives, who embodied these characteristics of character, teamwork, and service. But what caught my attention in the article was that he did something that surprised me, and it was that he was known for returning phone calls the same day. That might not seem like such a big deal, but I am not known for returning phone calls anytime soon and or emails. But this caused me to reflect because this famous UGA football coach was never too busy, too important, too lazy to return phone calls, many and most of them on the same day. Because people mattered to him. He was a man of deep faith and his name might be great in the College Football Hall of Fame and on the lips of Georgia fans, but in the waiting, in the waiting, he was ready. And he lived his life not so that it would point to his name, but so that it would point to the name of the Son of God, the Son of Man, the name of Jesus, the one who will come like a thief in the night. I wonder... I wonder if we will be ready when Jesus comes again. Author Doug Mendelhall shares a brief parable, and I want to share it with you as I end this morning. It should cause all of us to pause, I think, and reflect on how we spend our time in the waiting. Jesus called the other day to say he was passing through and wondered if he could spend a day or two with us. I said, sure, love to see you. When will you hit town? I mean, it's Jesus, you know, and it's not every day you get the chance to visit with him. It's not like your in-laws and you have to stop and decide whether the advantages outweigh your having to move to the sleeper sofa. That's when Jesus told me he was actually at a convenience store by the interstate. I must have gotten the Bambi in headlights look because my wife hissed. What is it? What's wrong? Who is that? So I covered the receiver and told her Jesus was going to arrive in eight minutes. And she ran out of the room and she started giving guidance to the kids in that effective marine-like way a drill instructor gives directions to recruits. Now my mind was already racing with what needed to be done in the next eight, no, seven minutes so Jesus wouldn't think that we were reprobate loser slobs. I turned off the TV in the den, which was blaring some weird, scary movie I'd been half-watching, but I could still hear screams from our bedroom, so I turned off the reality show it was tuned into. Plus, I turned off the kids' set out on the sun porch because I didn't want to have to explain John and Kate plus eight to Jesus, either six minutes from now. My wife had already thinned out the magazines that had been accumulating on the coffee table, and she put Christianity Today on top for a good first impression. Five minutes to go. I looked out the front window, but the yard actually looked good thanks to my long, hard work, so I let it go. What could I improve in four minutes anyway? I did notice that the mail had come, so I ran out to grab it. It was mostly Netflix envelopes, back in the day when you had Netflix envelopes, and a bunch of catalogs tied to recent purchases. So I stuffed it all back in the box 
Jesus doesn't need to get the wrong idea three minutes from now about how much online shopping we do. I ran back in and picked up a bunch of shoes left by the door, tried to stuff them into the front closet, but it was overflowing with heavy coats and work coats and snow coats and pretty coats and rain coats and extra coats. We live in the South. Why do we buy so many coats? I squeezed the shoes in with two minutes to go. I plumped up the soft pillows on the sofa. My wife tossed dishes into the sink. I scolded the kids and shooed the dog. With one minute left, I realized something important. Getting ready for a visit from Jesus is not an eight-minute job. And the doorbell rang. Have you considered how you will prepare for this new year, for the coming of the Son of Man? Will you make any preparations at all? It's a strange way to begin Advent, I know, but it is worth asking. Are we living our life in such a way that it points not to our name, but to the name of Jesus, the name that is above all names. Now, I'm not saying that you need to start a New Year's resolution. It's not what I'm saying. But it might be worth considering. Don't you think? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. For more information about Marietta First United Methodist Church, we invite you to connect with us online at mariettafumc.org or on Facebook at Marietta FUMC.